You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group One Realty Studio in West Monroe. High school football season inches closer. Yes, it does. And we'll continue our high school previews right now as we welcome Wasman head coach Dean Smith to the program. Coach, how we doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Good morning. Uh, Dean, it's been an, an eventful off season for the Wasman Wildcats. Been very eventful, I must say the least. Uh, but, you know, it's football season time, so all those outside interferences must come to an end. You must focus on the ball game because the fans really don't want to hear about the offseason, what happened this summer, and all that kind of stuff like that. So we've been practicing, getting ready for uh, the scrimmage August 18th at, at Wasp against Bachelor High School, then the big showdown at, at home against Carroll, Carroll High School in the Jabberine. Let's start with the great news. I know you're getting close to that field house being done and you guys moving in. Describe this complex and what it can mean for your program. Well, as, you, as you drive off the interstate, you can finally see that uh, building, you see the W. Uh, you have the, the indoor facility downstairs with the weight room, and that's just state of the art. You know, everything you have now is up to date uh, to really most colleges they have in the state of Louisiana. I've been around facilities in college, and, and we're competing with those schools. Uh, upstairs, meeting rooms, you have space to meet now. You have meeting rooms uh, downstairs, meeting rooms upstairs. You have a large meeting room uh, upstairs for the entire team to meet. You know, to be inside the weight room, like the side of weight room squeeze in, lay on the floor, and the train room is up to date also. You know, everything is brand new technology, STEM machines, rehab machines. So uh, as kids and, and eighth grade kids come to this facility, they'll be blessed to be the first ones to be a part of this. And I'm more excited about my balcony outside my office. I can walk outside the office and watch everybody you know, leave the game after we get done beating a couple teams and speak to the crowd and stuff like that. Uh, not to be disrespectful, but literally you're going from the outhouse to the penthouse because that old facility you had had to be one of the worst in northeast Louisiana. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, it wasn't the top of the list on facilities when you visit the players. And I think uh, the school board and the members of the community finally got together and realized it's time to update this facility. It just was, you know, over time so much history had gone on that building and Everyone that came through that building, everybody had a story to tell about. And I enjoyed hearing the story. I never want to be disrespectful. But it was like it's time to, you know, kind of put a chapter in this building, kind of close the chapter and start something new. So I'm proud to start the brand-new chapter of the Pat Weeds Fieldhouse. All right, so when are you guys getting in there? I know it's the million-dollar question. Oh, uh, man. What's happening right now is the punch list in the state of Louisiana. Uh, the fire marshal and a couple of guys have come over and just look at Knick-knack things had to be done, uh, pain, missing paint spots, fire alarms, stuff like that. So we're looking forward to Jamboree time. Uh, I'm telling the kids, Jamboree, we should walk out that facility then the Jamboree game, August 24th. And that's be exciting time to come out anyway. All right, let's address the elephant in the room. Four-game suspension to start the year for you. Uh, just your feelings on having to sit out the first month of the season. Well, uh First time in 12 years missing a football game for any reason. You know, you coach a lot of ball games who's sick and tired and hurt. But 
know, that's why we'll take the, the, the jamboree is going to be real big for us in the, in the scrimmage next Saturday. You know, there's your chance to be coached on my staff. Some guys have, have played, you know, coached against me and have somehow do things in-game. I have a high-intense sideline during the game, but it's all organized chaos. So uh, I'm going to use the scrimmage game, that jamboree to kind of show those coaches I have on my staff. Now, this is how I want. This is what I expect. They should carry the message. Uh, it's going to hurt. I already told the kids about it, but the rule is kind of weird how it's set up. So, uh, once I know all the fine details, I know how bad it's going to affect my team. But, yeah, I won't be on the sideline for the first ball, first four ball games. Uh, the kids know it already. Uh, we talked about it already in practice. So, it won't be a shock. It'll be something new that y'all may say about before the game. Uh, that can help them be the head coach of Washington. You know how big is that? from Carol, the head coach of Washington, uh, for the first four ball games. So, it's all kind of weird how it's playing out. You, you mentioned that scrimmage with Bastrop. Take us through how that came about. Oh, man. At some point, you know, we all young coaches. We all think our program's a top-tier program in the state. But I guess Coach Burnett, someone gave him some bad advice to tell <laughs> to tell him make a shirt that says he runs 165. And I was trying to clarify with him. You know, what part was he talking about? He said, yeah, I was just really saying I asked him not to do that. I said, man, I don't know if he's going to do that. He played for scrimmage. He played already for uh, week three or week four. The ball was going to put together week one and Carol. So you can every team in the district, you're going to make a shirt like this. He said, yeah, I'm going to do it. Oh, well. i tell you what, Coach, if you want to do that, I don't mind destroying your team in this jamboree, in this scrimmage, and week one come to Wild, I'm going to see how these Wildcats do on the south side. So he dropped the shirt anyway. I think Lee Doty saw it. Doty probably want to comment. He's probably a little bit laid back. He probably fired up at his house talking about his players. But uh, that, that shirt was kind of disrespectful to the whole district, and I really appreciate that. Is there like a storm blowing through Wasman right now? It's very windy out there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm outside on my balcony, so, you know, uh, that's what happens when you're so high up off the ground. Move me down the field. Uh, all right, so this team, uh, Wasman, uh, what do the Wildcats look like? You're coming off a rough year. You know what? We, we licked our wounds. The kids know about the record. They understand it's 2-8. We, we understand, you know, at some point, yes, yeah, I'm telling the kids, we beat ourselves. And you guys say, yeah, we weren't prepared for that ball game. Or they were just weren't prepared for us. And we we gone to every realization at Washington High School. The main thing is the kids want to win. They understand how to watch the stars. They understand how to take the time to see And they're not young anymore. You know, young people hurt the kids down for so long before they realize, okay, this is how I have to win this battle. This is how I have to win this fight. So right now, the, the old line is coming back solid. The quarterback play should be solid. You know, right now the secondary be a little question mark for me on the back end. But offensive-wise, we're going to score a lot of points this year. Mm. Coach, I would appreciate the time. We look forward to this scrimmage. So, uh, Wasman will try to rule 165. And then I guess you can put a T-shirt out there. Yeah, yeah, you can make some T-shirts. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> hey, one final thing. Uh, Jackie Hamilton, how reassuring is it for you you know, we've, you've had so much fun with him through the years, and, of course, you've looked up to him. To bring him on staff, and now with the issues that you guys are having, to know that he, you got that calming influence and he will be there for the first four games. Well, it's also major to have Coach Levi Washington. 
You know, he was a head coach at Madison last year. So I have two head coaches from my district that I played against last year and actually beat to come join me. And it's going to be fun to have those, both those two guys around because Levi can kind of run the offense and Coach Hamilton's going to be the game manager. And uh, while I'm out, it be Coach Earl Robinson. But for Coach Ham, it's like, this is my first job. You know, he gave Thomas some lessons across the years. And I said, last time he kind of came to me like, like hey, I'm going to take care of you one more time, son. You messed up. I'm going to pick your slack up for you, but it's your last time having to do this kind of problem. So, when Coach talks to me, like, you know, like, like, a, like a parent sometimes, and he's going to watch them back and he's going to help me out. But it's real, it's a, it's a great blessing. And it's also great to see him get a chance to finish out coaching right with the coach. You know, I don't think his last game, they kind of sent him away from care. I don't think that was the right way to do it. But he'll get a chance to say, you know what, you had this thing back on the wrong time. So, kind of laugh about it every day. Coach, appreciate the time. We'll yell at you during the season. It's right around the corner. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, uh, Dean Smith, uh, the Wasman head coach, and I apologize for the windy conditions. I guess that's the problems when you have a balcony now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the gist of that story was that Adrian Burnett put a, a T-shirt out there and tweeted it out, and it basically said. Well, before, I don't know how much of it you could hear, but before he put it out, Dean actually talked with, with Burnett. This is according to Dean, yeah. saying that, hey, don't put that shirt out. You're going to upset a lot of people. And The shirt basically said that we run runs 165. So he, he put the shirt out, and, of course, then a little Twitter spat uh, gets going. and That led to Bashup coming over to Wasman to scrimmage yeah. this year and uh, these two playing in the regular season next year. Yeah. And um, – it's interesting because Bastrop will have the opportunity to run 165 because they play all four of those teams in the district this year and next year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, very – I say play, but I'm including the Jamboree against yeah. Sterlington in that. Which should be fun. Oh, can't wait. Yeah. That's the uh, late Friday night game out mm-hmm. at Malone Stadium. Yes, sir. We'll have uh, Adrian Burnett on the show very soon to discuss, of course, this little – Ooh-ha-ha with the members of one sixty. Yeah, and I almost asked him if we would have had better c- conditions. I would, I would have asked him what his favorite rivalry was because yeah. he's got so many of them. But uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of material for for opposing teams. Dean Smith is not scared to provide that. I did not get that kind of material from Jerry Arledge. Here's a little bit from Jerry earlier this week on West Monroe and how practices are going so far. I think the kids like it and the coaches like it. I don't like getting up at five o'clock necessarily. But, you know, it's all about the quality of work. You know, the old thing about, uh, well, we're trying to get acclimated to the heat. I don't, I don't know if you ever do that. Uh, so what we're concerned with is, is number one, is, is uh, what's the best opportunity for our kids to get out there and get some quality work. And uh, when it's hot, I don't know if anybody gets much quality work when it's 100 degrees or 95 or, in, in, you know, that, that's tough. It's tough. Uh, it's, it's just you don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of quality work. Another season for you. How excited are you to kind of get this thing underway? You're underway already, but of course to, to make another run at a championship. Well, Aaron, I, you know I think our coaches are very excited, and I know our players are. And there's a the thing that we've been very pleased with is the retention from uh, from even carryover from last season, and, and certainly in spring training. You know all those things help, but uh, you never know how much kids are going to retain. We get out there and. And uh, at this stage, without pads on, you know, we, we try to install most everything that we're doing, especially uh, the special teams, uh, and along with offense and defense. And our kids have had, have had really good uh, concentration and, uh, and retaining, retention of uh, things that we've done in the past. 
Rod not seeing Slade out there. We watched him for literally four years. Offensively, how do you replace a weapon like that? Well, I don't know if you replace a weapon like that, but, uh, you know, we've got guys that are going to step up. It's their time, and uh, just like it was Slade's time when he came through here, uh, our kids are going to execute. They're going to be, uh, I know they're going to be well coached. Uh, we've got enough athletic ability. We'll do a great job of coaching and getting our kids prepared. I think we'll, uh, we'll be a pretty decent football team. Is it safe to say with the guys returning that defense is way ahead of the offense right now? Well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, you know, we're, we're beginning to throw in, and catch the ball well, and, uh, you know, we've got some uh, receivers that we uh, were not real sure of at one time, but, but as they work and uh, they're getting better, uh, I think running back uh, uh, is back from last year, Cam, Cam Wright, and what a, what a great year he had last year. And uh, we're working uh, two or three quarterbacks, uh, so there's competition there at the quarterback position. And uh, there's probably probably three guys that we feel good about that can can lead this football team. Jerry Aldridge from West Monroe, of course, across the river. Neville's practices continue. Mickey McCarty, a team that went to the quarterfinals last year, everybody says, oh, Tigers had a down year. Yeah, but that was just part of it, man. You can't expect to lose that many players. Your entire secondary goes to play D1 ball and expect them to just continue to – to uh, dominate the way they were. But, yeah, that's the type of expectations that are set out there at Neville. Here's Mickey on uh, tweaking some things over in on Forsyth Avenue. What I like about our, our team right now is uh, kind of where we're at as a team. Uh, you know, after last season, we took a hard look at, uh, at where we were, and, and uh, we needed to make a few, make a few changes here and uh, in the house, so to speak, and wanted to do some different things with our team. And so we've been working on that. Uh, through the summer and early fall camp and excited about where we're at, excited for another season and uh, certainly expectations are high here at Neville and always will be and looking forward to, uh, you know, cranking another one up. Not, no disrespect to last year's team, it's not hungry, it's a humbling experience, how would you describe it? Well, I'll tell you, our last game was very humbling. Uh, you know, we had a rough start to the year uh, as far as wins and losses goes, but I'm very proud of that team for buckling back down and, uh, you know, wound up back in, in uh, playing Thanksgiving week and you know, we say that's going out early. There's a lot of programs that would love to say we went out Thanksgiving week in the quarterfinals. But, uh, you know, around here, that felt like it was mighty early. And uh, compared to the last few years, it was. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I think a number of things there when you ask why. You know, we didn't have a lot of experience on that team. We had to grow early and uh, those things. And, uh, you know, I don't think that team really figured themselves out uh, for a while. And, uh, you know, just a lot of little things, I thought, uh, there, there throughout the year. But. You know, as we sit right now, I think this team's got a little better handle on who they want to be, uh, who they are currently. Still got a lot of work to do on the field, obviously, but uh, but we're looking forward. Boys are working hard. Richie here is taking a shot at Bashup. He says, after last year, I'd say Richwood runs it, talking about uh, 165. Who else went to state last year? Oh, that's right. Poor Bastrop trying to hold on to that near-decade-old success. Wow. Richie fired up today. Neville has been in the Dome six of eight years. That's a pretty impressive run. Has been to the Dome six of eight years? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Not surprising, but when you when you sit there and think about that, yeah. six of eight years, wow. Yeah. It's a West Monroe type run. It's incredible. Mm. 888-993-7762. Our high school football previews will continue on Monday morning. 
Let's take a timeout. Coming up next, Jake's got some hard-hitting, thought-provoking questions, I believe. And we'll continue to break down what we saw last night in the preseason, including the Saints win against the Jets. And your boy, Zach Streif. Yes. How did he do last night? Are we going to play a little Zach Street? We'll play a little Zach Street for you. Since you didn't listen to it, <laughs> you went out of your way to bash him, to bash the move, and you didn't do your homework. Uh, that's me. 888-993-7762. Let's fire this text line back up. We're back after. All right, Jake, what you got? All right, so I'm going to play a little game here. I'm going to ask you some questions. The first one I want to ask is, overreaction or not, LSU fans outrage over neutral site games is justified how many of these have they had now is it every year where they basically have one of these made it's for tv matchups every year but it's mostly every year it's been mostly every year for the better part of a decade mm. okay so here, here let me give you this information first the benefit is recruiting but it's also money lsu on the seven neutral site games that they've already had have made 23 Point seventy five million dollars <laughs> from those neutral site games. Okay, um, the the low being at Green Bay, they made two point one million. This How year's much are game, they making from a home game though? Hold on, I'll give you that in a minute. This year's game with Miami, they're going to get a payout of four point seventy five million dollars. Wow. Okay, so the average is about. $3.4 million per game, which is more than LSU, than what LSU makes in a revenue home game. School officials have said that. They haven't released the exact statistic, but they're saying that $3.4 million is more. So you think about $4.75 million, it makes sense money-wise as to why they're doing it. That said, you've got fans, first of all, your t- Tiger Stadium, I would say, for the longest time, up until probably the 2010s, maybe 2012, somewhere around there, was thought of to be the be- one of the best, if not the best, atmospheres at night. Haven't really seen that lately because you've, you've got really one big game a year with Alabama or, or maybe it's a, an Auburn one year or so, and – Perhaps you can fill the crowd and they'll stay there for the whole game and you'll get that atmosphere. It's very rare you get that atmosphere for four full quarters, though. That's what I'm trying to get to. LSU fans are tired of, especially season ticket holders, having these big games go to these neutral sites when you could have scheduled a home-and-home with Miami. And, you know, whether it's this year or next year, you get Miami at home. That's a big game, just like Florida State in 2022 2023 and then you get a big game and of course they put it on cbs in the afternoon yes that too but i'm just asking you i see both sides of it but are fans justified in being absolutely outraged all right let's look at the home scheduled issue okay uh, all right but that there's a caveat there okay well let's just southeastern louisiana tech Ole miss georgia mississippi state alabama and rice incredible home schedule that's incredible that's way above Way above the usual. Just because you're throwing in Georgia and Alabama. Absolutely. And Louisiana Tech. The last couple of years, though, the home schedule hasn't been spectacular. Um, I wish we had that in front of us. I could go through it. But overall, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think fans are justified in being outraged. It makes sense 
as far as the school goes because, of course, they're going to get that money. Of course, it helps with recruiting. But I can also listen to fans say Tiger Stadium is a special place. Tiger Stadium at night is a special place. Mm-hmm. And you only get that so many times a year, and you're taking away a big game at Tiger Stadium. I, I get it. Look, I, I get it. Now – the, yeah, you look at last year's home schedule, slate of games. This year's you got a lot, it. Yeah, All right, Chattanooga, ahead. Syracuse, Troy, Auburn, Arkansas, and A&M. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so LSU fans are are upset by that, but as Ben points out, LSU fans leave at halftime. They could care less about the opponent. Tiger Stadium has lost its luster due to a fe- fair weather fan base. I agree a hundred percent, Ben. Unless it's Alabama. I really can't even put any other team up there with them. Maybe Georgia does it this year, mm-hmm. but unless it's Alabama, fans typically leave at halftime, and it's because of a number of reasons. It's because they want to go out, they want to drink, uh, a tailgate, or they want to beat the traffic. I mean, there are so many issues. Or maybe they just don't have the endurance to last for the entire day. They just get worn down. That too, or maybe they're just not fans of the product right now. So, I mean, it's a lot of factors, but – Anyway, I, I just wanted to ask that question. Are fans justified in being upset about these neutral site games? 888-993-7762. When you're getting that kind of payout and you're getting that kind of national publicity, I don't know how you say no. Yeah, it's hard to say no. All right, Aaron. Least shocking from last night. Cam Newton confronts Kelvin Benjamin or Des Bryant steals the spotlight with his tweets. I would make the argument that video last night of Benjamin and Newton was the best video, the best highlight of the night. <laughs> Is it shocking, though? It's not shocking. It's kind of shocking that it took place before a game. Because Benjamin's comments, there's been some time for Cam to approach him. you telling me that's the first time Cam's seen him since then? No. And I, what does it say about both players Then nobody else was involved? It wasn't like teammates or anybody else or security. There was what looked like one assistant coach. It looked like it really there could have been a scuffle there right on the field, and it could have got ugly. It did look like yeah. that. I, they are fortunate that it didn't yeah. happen. But uh, if you haven't seen the video, literally uh, Benjamin standing there, Cam Newton makes his way across the field and gets right up in his face, and looks like he's trying to provoke Benjamin into a fight. I'm gonna say, let me tell you this, Aaron. Let me ask a different question. Are you? Are you upset that Cam Newton did that? No, because that's Cam Newton. Okay, other, take now, that away. Drew Are you Brees, upset if, if Drew any Brees, player if did Drew that? If Drew Brees does that, that would be huge. It would be shocking. Are you upset if Drew Brees did that at practice? No. Okay. I'm with you on that. I'm not upset that Cam approached him like yeah. a man face-to-face. Say, hey, you got a problem You've with been me? talking about Tell me, in the me press, to my face. Say, yes. Problem is doing it right before a game. Yeah. There's a better time to a do pre-season that. Preseason game. But. Still. Still. <laughs> Plus, there's all these cameras around. Do it in the locker room or something. Hey. He is a little bit of a drama queen. That's true. Yeah. But uh, I don't have an issue with him confronting Benjamin. I have an issue of where he did it and when he did it. Last question. And we'll get to these texts. Overreaction or not, Saquon Barkley will run away with the rookie of the year after watching him carry it, what, four times last night? You know how big a fan I am of Barkley. Yes, go I mean, ahead. Yes, Overreact yes, away, yes. please. Offensively, they still have so many weapons. And, you know, I know Manning coming back, and, you know, he's how old is he now? 37, 38? I don't know off the top of my Odell, head. Odell. I mean, he's, they're going to have some – that oppor- that offense is going to look completely different from last year. 
And Barkley, I believe, is one of those generation-type players. I, I think so. I think he is the man to beat because I look around, especially – I think you have to think quarterback first. Anytime you're talking about an offensive award, I think Baker isn't going to start until yeah. midseason. If he does get the start, maybe Tyra Taylor continues to play well and, and keeps that position. I think Baker would have the best shot to supplant him. So for that reason, I'll say, yeah, Saquon Barkley is the man to beat for the rookie mm -hmm. of the year. But we could have someone come out of nowhere and win it. Uh, kind of like, you know, last year with Alvin Kamara. Who would have predicted that? A couple texts here. You can weigh in at 888-993-7762. Neville stole the dynasty title away from West Monroe. They took it like men straight up claimed and snatched it away. Wow. Mm. College football is a business. Money will always be the controlling factor. Get over it. I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, Hilario says, I'm not outraged. I'm excited for them to open the season like this. The national spotlight will be on Tiger Nation, referencing LSU versus Miami. Yeah, and there's also a part of this, too. As a fan who watches from home, I don't have a huge issue with it because I think it's it's cool and it's fun. But also, I do miss seeing Tiger Stadium with that atmosphere. And I think it would have a really electric at atmosphere for Miami. Rick with a great text here. I'm an LSU fan through and through. When we go to a game in Tiger Stadium, we stay till the end, win or lose. But I also enjoy having people over at the house on game day, cooking and having drinks and watching on TV. It's just as fun, in my opinion. I agree, Rick. I agree, too. I, I think once you're actually in the stadium for the game, nothing tops that, yeah. tops that atmosphere. But there's so many hurdles you have to jump through to get to that. Yeah. Travel, parking, walking. And then it takes up your whole day. You don't get to watch any other games, really. And the game day experience at home has been improved by so much with <sighs> HD TV, and 4K yes. and just. And you can watch multiple games. And then the replays. It, you, literally, you go to a game in person and you feel like, oh, it was a great experience. It's wonderful. But feel like you missed so much. You missed. Yeah. You're playing catch up on that Sunday. Like, what did I miss? Plus, you're spending like $200 for a ticket, you know. So it's, it's listen, it's a, it's. You're asking a lot of fans to continue to pour that money and time into your program. That's why you're seeing the drop-off. Follows up. The atmosphere in Tiger Stadium at night is top-notch, though. In fact, as Scott Van Pelt continues to say, it's the best game day atmosphere, guess, best atmosphere he's ever witnessed ever in any sporting event before. And Russillo recently ranked uh, Tiger Stadium number one in his top five. Where's Russillo? <laughs> Who's that guy? He didn't get up, so get off. <laughs> is the show name Get Off? Or it's get up. Get up. Uh, I'm telling you to get off. 888-993-7762. You want to hear a little bit of Zach Streif coming up? Yeah, we got to. I mean, it's been such a big storyline this offseason because of you. You've really pushed this on it's us. It's not me. And then, uh, of course, the Saints. Uh, major talking points, takeaways from last night's win versus Jacksonville. The morning drive returns after this. couple texts here. Uh, darn commercials. They ruin college football when you go to a game true all the delays oh yeah lots of time waiting on tv another one uh, with the sec network money lsu should not be worried about game revenues look that's the whole argument of can you ever have too much money so i i don't like that argument nobody's gonna say no to money no matter how much money you have is there such thing as extra cash <laughs> no no <laughs> Hogan says, I agree with Ryan talking about Rosilla, but isn't he an LSU alumni? I know he's a Tiger fan. I don't know if he went to LSU, but I know he, he worked uh, he's at a – He's an East Coast guy. He, uh, he worked at a bar in Baton Rouge. I thought he was 
He worked at a bar in Baton Rouge. That's his ties to Baton Rouge. If we knew where he was, now we could look up his uh, He's still working with ESPN. He's got a podcast. <laughs> I still think that was the strangest and oddest move of all time. Look. Hey, we're going to give you some extra responsibilities, give you a little bit more exposure. No, I don't need that. I'll do my own little thing where I'll do a little podcast on the side. Do a little podcast, then when his contract runs out, we'll see where he goes. Yeah. Good career move there. Well, still one of the best, man. Sorry you don't listen to podcasts, Aaron. How many do? How many have heard Ryan Russell in the last year? I don't know what his numbers are, but I'm sure they're high. Okay. That'll be research for the weekend. Or just ask a listener out there. Has anybody heard uh, Russillo? They are listening to the podcast. Also, we're still asking you, 888-993-7762, what did you think of Zach Streif last night? Because Aaron didn't listen to him. Yeah. So we've gotten, honestly, we've gotten more positive text about him than I was anticipating. So that's a good sign for me because maybe we don't have to talk about this anymore. But um, we actually have a clip here. Of Streif's introduction. So this is typically what Jim Henderson would do to start the broadcast. And Henderson, of course, an English major, would, would knock it out of the ballpark. He'd have this thing scripted, and it would just basically give you the lowdown and breaking down the game. Streif, obviously, extremely nervous at the beginning, and you can tell. This was his opening statement on the broadcast last night, his commentary on the Saints versus the Jags as the season gets underway. For Saints faithful, the immediate and back-breaking end to last season has been an unfortunate thorn in their side for six grueling months. Never before has a season with such hope ended with such cruelty. The wait for redemption has been long, but alas, the wait is over. Football has returned. In New Orleans, football is king. Mardi Gras has come and gone, but it's come Mardi Gras that we have all been waiting for. A generational crop of draft talent seemingly turned our team from a pretender to a contender. Faster than you can say, Lattimore. Just as the Saints faithful were beginning to believe that this year could be different, a Jaguar was on the loose. No, not that Jaguar. I'm talking about the ones in Jacksonville. With a new coach and a new attitude, these cats were different. Built through the big boys, their version of bully ball pushed them to the AFC Finals, where they ran into their own version of the Minnesota Miracle, theirs named Brady. One year ago, this game would have featured two teams on the hot seat. Today, there's simply two teams that got hot. I'm not going to judge him on his commentary at the beginning of the game. It's ultimately about calling a game and knocking it out of the ballpark, so... Richie says, okay, okay, okay. I can see it on the street debate. That sucked. <laughs> Another one, really, that's horrible. Stop it. So, okay, so you tell me that Jim here's, Henderson here's, used to do yeah, that. Here's an editorial uh, on NOLA.com. Streif was painfully tight in delivering his preseason open commentary, which came off stilted, so it distracted me from the ultimate message. And then it goes on. This is the best part, though. Benefiting from the unflagging coolness of his broadcast partner and former teammate Deuce McAllister. Deuce. <laughs> oh, Deuce. Now, that is maybe I haven't. I guess I haven't really heard Henderson do his. Uh, usually, when I tune into a Saints game on the radio, it's like already going on. So I don't think I don't ever think I've heard a welcome like yeah. that with with Jim Henderson. Yeah. That said. I can't imagine it was that bad. That was so awkward. 
why not just invite people in, give you the storylines, talk like we're talking now, maybe a little more professional than we are. But, uh, you know, like. <laughs> or well, you know what you could do? You could probably just uh, tape that portion of it. You could. Yes. You really could. Nobody would know. That's true. Yeah. Um, Rick says, was that an <laughs> SNL skit? <laughs> We got another toast here. I haven't heard Ryan really, but I also haven't heard much of his former employer either. Uh, Long live Sports Talk 97. There you go. Uh, And uh, our research department, John Tabor, points out he went to Vermont. We still don't get it. All right, let's get to the the nuts and bolts of last night and, of course, the Saints and the victory over the Jags. Biggest takeaways from last night. We went into it with a couple different storylines, and they're not really sexy, juicy storylines when we're talking about the backup quarterback to Drew Brees. Yeah, and really that was the ultimate takeaway from last night for me, for, for that matter. The fact that Savage established himself as the number two guy, not with any spectacular play, but by being poised and calm in the pocket and making the plays that he needs to, to, to make without making those mistakes. All I had to know about Hill and what the faith that uh, Sean Payton has in Hill being the backup quarterback is when you see Hill on the kickoff return squad to start the game. He's still on that team. So I don't think they're actually literally thinking of him as their backup quarterback because he would not be on that team, correct? Maybe. I, I don't know. Would you have your backup quarterback out there on special teams? It depends. No, you if would there's, not. If That's the there's, easiest question ever. Honestly, if there's a situation where he's not far ahead from the number three guy, you know, sure, why not? But he's number three guy anyway. Mm. So – that I mean that debate. I think he stays there even if he gets promoted on the depth chart to number two. No, you don't no think he stays you're on there. Backup quarterback, and then you're only going to activate two quarterbacks. You're not going to have Savage activated as a third quarterback. You're not going to have Hill out there uh, on the kick return squad. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I'll concede you <laughs> Thank to that you. one. All right, the bottom line, the numbers, uh, Savage directing the offense in the first half. They had 106 yards of offense there in the first half. Hill ends up, what, 89, 72 yards. And then, of course, the dual threat that he provides, seven carries for 52 yards. Yeah, but he, he, he wanted to run way too quick. He was not comfortable in the pocket. And that will come. I, I still think he has a higher ceiling than Savage. I still think that as he grows and gets more experience as an NFL quarterback, he still hasn't had that many reps in live game action. So let's give this guy a little bit of a break. But as he grows, I think he's going to slowly become better than Savage and slowly get that number two spot. Defensively, of course, there'll be some concerns what took place and how the Jags, the opening drive, they go right down the field, 79 yards, the Bortles touchdown. But you look at the Saints, D, it is extremely vanilla. They did not have their two best defensive ends. Okafor and Jordan out there, the difference that they could make. Sure. It's first preseason game of the year. Yeah. Second half, they limit Jacksonville, I think, to just over 100 yards of total offense. Um, Ty asked, did Boston Scott get any PT last night? Why, yes, he did. He had a couple of nice returns, I thought. Um, he had a 35-yard return that was certainly nice, and uh, it was called back, though, for a holding. Yeah. Um, he also had an opportunity to score a touchdown, but Taysom Hill did not throw it to him. Um, and he also, I think he had what one rush for like seven yards. So he got some playing time. I think the big news for Boston Scott was what he did in the return game. And we also wanted to look kind of at the breakdown of who got the carries, who got the tote the rock yesterday for the Saints. 
as you look at the pecking order with Kamara, of course, he starts off, gets his three carries. Uh, Ingram comes back with uh, seven carries for 23 yards. The fact that Jonathan Williams got his opportunity, six carries for 26. Terrence West, a uh, veteran there, six carries for 10 yards. Uh, Shane Vereen only got three carries for five. Quick correction, it was JT Barrett that missed Boston Scott, not Taysom Hill. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so ultimately not a ton to take away from this. Really, I think the quarterback situation was the biggest storyline from last night. But of the 12 games in the NFL preseason last night, there were a lot of juicy storylines that were not related to the Saints and the Jags. I guess you'd have to start with Andrew Luck, of course. Uh, he's back. He played, and he played pretty well. Six of nine for 64 yards. First time he's literally been in action, I think, in 585 days. I did not do that math. No, you did not. Um, yeah, good for him. Glad to see him back. Hopefully he can stay healthy and play this year. Um, one more quick Saints thing, and then I want to talk about Baker. Traquan Smith, his debut was kind of lukewarm. I mean, he, he made some nice plays, I guess. but Four nothing, receptions for 48 yards. Nothing spectacular. Um, but I think that will come. That those big plays will come as he gets more comfortable out there. Um, but that was one of the storylines heading in that, I, that I'd circled. Now, on to Baker. What a debut. I know it's the preseason. We're not going to get carried away here. But still, the fact that he completed, I think, 11 of 20, 212 yards, uh, two TDs, that his first touchdown pass to Njoku was incredible. He really threaded the needle. Um, he looked poised and calm in the pocket. He, he, the way he moved in the pocket, it was similar to the way he did at Oklahoma. So I, I look at those things as positive things because the game is much quicker in the NFL. But for him to be that relaxed and to be that efficient in his first preseason game, I think that says a lot about what he's going to be able to do this year. Do you need a napkin or a tissue for all that drooling you're doing over there? I'm just pointing out that the guy played really well last night. He he was worthy of the number one pick. I said he was worthy of the number one pick. Stop looking at size. Look at how they play. That's all. That's I'm off my soapbox. With all that said, Tyrod Taylor goes five for five for 99 yards and a touchdown. The starter for the Cleveland Browns right now. Yeah. Terry from Oak Grove says, I was most impressed with Williams among the Saints running backs. Other things that stood out last night uh, locally, Cam Sims, the former Washita product, had a heck Ooh. of a reception and run. He ends up with uh, two receptions for 74 yards. Of course, uh, exchanging texts with uh, Adam Winkler, who's covering the Redskins up there in Norfolk, said, where are his chances? He says, certainly it's going to be tough to make the roster, but it looks like uh, Cam has made a name for himself, could be on the practice squad for sure. I'm telling you, if you haven't seen that Jew on the sideline, get out your phone right now and look it up because it was sweet. Heck of a play by Cam Sims. Uh, let's take a timeout. More NFL news coming up after the break in our parting shots. But up next, our weekly conversation with Joey Trappe. We're back after this. Welcome back to the show. We love catching up with Joey Trappe on Friday mornings. He joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Joey, how you doing this morning, bud? Doing good, guys. How are y'all? Well, I'm doing all right. I had a fantastic time last night at Portico, but I got to admit, it was a little tough getting up this morning. Man, just how sweet is it to have football back? I'm sure uh, Portico was rocking last night, and I'm sure the same thing was taking place over at the Fieldhouse. Yeah, man, it's definitely a fun time of year. You know, it's uh, you go through that summer lull where you're kind of searching for things to show on TV. You can only watch so much baseball, you know, and uh, football's back. You know, that's that's the time of year everybody kind of gets out and gets moving, and it uh, it kind of kicks off the school year. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a fun time in the, in the restaurant. 
Joy, a former ULM tight end, of course, uh, back in your day when you were playing, and of course as the camps continue to grind along, tempers start to flare at this point of the camp, did you ever have a run-in with somebody, like Chris Hitman Harris or somebody like that? <laughs> no, I was smarter than that, man. Some nasty stuff can happen um, in those in those fights. Um, yeah, I mean, pushing and shoving goes on every day, you know, but, um, you know, you are getting to a point now, probably a week into camp where you're kind of tired of hitting the same guys and um you know i definitely understand how these little scuffs and, and fights kind of break out but uh me personally no man i was normally the guy in there trying to break them up we talk about portico i had an unbelievable pizza last night is that one of the items now that you guys are really pushing or proud of yeah man our pizzas are really taking off we uh you know we're definitely pushing those uh, we invested in some pizza ovens, and, uh, you know, customers are, are really liking them. So if you haven't had our pizza, I would definitely, um, you know, ask you to come on over and try it out because it's something, uh, a little hidden gem on the menu for sure. At the Fieldhouse, in the past, you've had some great uh, game day uh, specials. Anything you got going on in the preseason? Yeah, man, we, uh, we've got, you know, the game day mugs are back. Uh, those at 7 bucks. Uh, for your first beer, you pick a team, and every time that team scores a touchdown, you get a free refill. Uh, those typically take off a little bit uh, closer to uh, college football rather than the NFL preseason. But um, we also rolling out those towers that we have there, 100-ounce beer towers. Uh, and by popular uh, request, we've, uh, we've added the Bloody Mary and a screwdriver tower to it, too. So on Saturdays, uh, we're running specials on those. A hundred ounces of Bloody Mary. You can get a couple people together and hunker down at the bar at a table and enjoy you a couple Bloody Marys before the games get kicked off. And then, of course, traps. What's going on over there? Man, traps is going to be uh, traps. Man, sitting out there on that patio, looking over the river, always in the shade is always a, a, a hot commodity uh, place to stay. So, um, you know, just the seafood nachos and all the other goodies on that menu are, are very popular. And, um, we're staying pretty busy over there. So if you're uh, wanting to get on that patio as this weather starts to cool off, I would just suggest you get there a little early. Joey, as always, we appreciate the time. We'll see you at the one of the three establishments that you just named, Traps, Fieldhouse, and, of course, Portico. Appreciate it, bud. Appreciate it, guys. Joey Traffic. What kind of pizza did you have? Uh, the Ultimate. What's on that? Really good. Uh, a lot of different stuff. Oh, come on. I'm asking uh, you to sell this, Pepperoni, man. sausage, and then uh, some jalapenos, onions, plenty of two different cheeses, I believe. It was really good. Is it too early to eat a pizza? No, it's never too early to eat a pizza. <laughs> Little Caesars, you'll eat that anytime, huh? <laughs> uh, those days are right around the corner, That's right? right. <laughs> That's right. About to put on that fall weight. Yeah, no, I already have the fall weight. <laughs> Let's get to our parting shots. Welcome to a tradition unlike any other. Uh, I took my opponent lightly. I mean, take a look at him. Um, the last time anybody with highlights ever hit a golf ball was, what, Guy Ferrari on one of those Edom shows. A a ding-dong, and they're like, where would one come up with something that stupid? I played poorly. I have no excuses for that. He played poorly, too, but that's his, that's his game. Second place goes to... Was embarrassment to, to my family lineage, and I vow to avenge myself. This is what it's like when the big weenie starts to have a meltdown. 
You know, when 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 Al Michaels snuck out on the 17th and screamed. Do you I knew it was over. It, it, it's over. You know, I always sit on a sandwich while I drive. That way it's nice and warm by the time I pull up to the next diner. <laughs> you know what's beautiful about that clip? I've only beat him one time on the golf course, and we can just continue to play it for years. Yeah. To act like it happens all the time. Right. What you got? For parting shot, Aaron, I want to bring up, okay, you and I make a strong effort to not bring up politics on our show because it's a sports show. When we tune into sports shows, we want to hear sports. With that said, what are you going to do? I'm going to bring it up once. (laughs) And this is why. I'm tired of hearing people complain about certain the way other (laughs) publications cover politics and spending a lot of their time on their show talking about it when you're being a hypocrite because you're spending time talking about politics indirectly. So that's just kind of my annoyance right now. Like I I can't stand the like when people talk about politics indirectly but their whole message is stop talking, stop covering it. You know what I'm saying? You're you're doing the same thing. You're covering it. You could do like what you and I do, which is just ignore it. Talk about the sports. Talk, there are so many sports headlines from last night. We spent most of our show talking about what went on in the preseason, actually on the field. So that's just my little, uh, I, I get my little spew this morning. So they're hypocrites. Yes. When you spend, when you base your show around condemning others for covering something, you spend your time talking about what's being covered. So, yes, you are a hypocrite. Cookie's got a nice parting shot here, since you read these texts better than I do. All right. I have a parting shot because I teach and we start school soon. My top five athletes I'm not a fan of for bad attitudes. Five, Terrell Owens, only for recent acts. Four, Barry Bonds. Clearly selfishness. Three, Bill Lambeer, his attitude towards others was worse than his play, which was bad. Wow. Two, Cam Newton for poor sportsmanship. And one, Bobby Crybaby Abear always blamed others for his mistake. Wow. Uh, my party shot. No, I cannot. Uh, just it's so nice to have football back, even though it is preseason football. The number of games that we had last night it was pretty cool. Just trying to keep track of everything that was going on and the different storylines that were taking place, and there were a number of them. Of course, Jake uh, is telling us all about Baker Mayfield. Andrew Luck was certainly a huge one. Dak Prescott. I mean, it's a sample size. It's literally one drive, three for three, thirty-nine yards. How about uh, Jeff Driscoll, former Louisiana Tech standout? Sure. I think we usually forget about him. I mean, he's in Cincinnati, and he had a great performance there in the second half, 10 of, 11, 10 of 15, 140 yards, led him on that game-winning touchdown. I mean, and that's the beauty now of preseason football, and then going back and looking through the box scores, just local guys that are trying to make their way into the league and whether or not they're getting the opportunity and whether or not they're performing on that stage mm-hmm. when they get that opportunity. Yeah, like Cam Sims, man. Yeah. What a splash he made last night. Yeah, and quite uh, last night there wasn't a lot of local guys besides Sims that uh, did uh, that made a lot of headway. Yeah, but we're gonna have more opportunities, of course, uh, this weekend with uh, 
different players, of course, getting their shot, especially at Denver. You look at Carlos Henderson. Mm-hmm. You look at John Diars. Carlos, the pressure's on, man. He's had a, a couple of rough, rough goes. Uh, that's a bad luck, but uh, hopefully he's healthy and can get out there and play. Ben, the one thing that you do not want to see is somebody going down with an injury, and it appeared that that was going to be the major storyline last night when Darius Geis goes uh, down. Yeah, uh, and a knee injury, too. I'm still waiting to see how serious it was. He tweeted that he was fine. Hopefully he is fine and we'll, we'll be able to play this year. Uh, PJ Championships uh, this weekend. Of course, second round is off and running. Any interest? Will you watch any of this Sunday? Uh, probably not. And not just because I'm boycotting this because I'm getting locked into these previews, man. Uh, it is. What, what happens to Tiger Woods? Tied for 48 uh, going into today starts to make a run. I might this. put it on the background, but it's bunker downtime. Yeah. Got to get these things out. Everybody have a fantastic weekend. We'll be back bright and early Monday morning. The Edge is up next. Thanks for listening to the best of the morning drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.